Welcome to Superlative. I am your podcast host, Ariel Adams. In each episode, you will meet someone who has inspired or takes inspiration from today's wristwatch industry. Every week, let's dive deep into the world of crafting exotic timepieces from the people who dream them up to the people who dream of them. It's time to get started and meet today's guest. Hey everyone, Ariel Adams here with the Superlative Podcast. My guest today is Romaric Andre. He is the founder of Second Second. Romaric, welcome. Thank you, Ariel. Um, pleasure to be there. Thank you very much for having me. So uh, this is the the second attempt at uh, doing the show. We had some audio <laughs> audio recording issues, so we've we've had a little bit of this chat before. And and I started off with. The second conversation, actually, or the first conversation, I'm going to start off this way, with you being uh, the king of collaborations, and then you, you don't want to be the king. You, you, you were, you sort of agreed, even though we had an interesting discussion about the meaning of collaborations. But it struck me: why don't you want to be the king of collaborations? Because the the idea behind was making many collaborations on a short period of of time doesn't make you the king of collapse. I mean, that's not a question, that's not a race, that's not a, that's not a question of a frequency. So that's why I, I played and I rebounded a little bit uh, uh, on that, maybe to suggest that, uh, first of all, we have to define what's a collab, and second, it's not a, it's not a race. Uh, absolutely. I guess what I meant by that is the prolific nature and the variety of the collaborations you've done recently, in my opinion, make you know more about what works and does not work in collaborations than probably almost anybody else in the market right now. And if you look at it that way, do you do you now agree or disagree? Um, I will always disagree <laughs> on, Good. The, uh, <laughs> on being, you know, the, to, to receive a price on a competition that does not exist, actually, but I, I understand <laughs> your I understand your point, and uh, thank you for that. Because what's really important for me is um, is that I've got ideas, and now those ideas uh, can have platforms. Thanks to the brands that are coming to me, or thanks to the brands I'm trying to reach and to talk to, my ideas can, can express themselves. And um, the, the frequency you are suggesting right now is because I may have many ideas that were locked, locked in for some time. And recently, because I started to get some traction and some recognition, I, um, I guess I could open that 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 um, I could open the door for all these ideas, and now they are they are finding the platform. So yes, you you see many of my works going out right now. So let's go back a little bit to the formation of Second Second. It, 2018, I believe, is when you first started, and I remember immediately people were talking about it. They're like, Ariel, you you know, if you, what do you think about this? And what you were doing was. A beautiful but simple concept where you were mm -hmm. taking vintage watches and you were removing one of the hands and you were replacing them with a pop culture symbol or something else that you wouldn't necessarily think of as, an, a, a, as a hand. And there was this, this contrast. I always remember the contrast. You seem mm -hmm. to really love contrast. And I always noticed that on your website... Um, which is, is is beautiful. Your your artistic design is is you know very uncommon, of course, in, in web design. Uh, but talk a little bit about what it was that you were trying to do with Second Second, because collaborations, as we're talking about, was by no means sort of how you started. This I, I'd like to know how how you got into that. Uh, but talk about what what was it you were trying to accomplish with the formation of Second Second? This idea came within a context, and my context at this moment was. I was um, ending a, uh, a first journey, I would say, uh, where I started to co-found a, uh, a company that was a complicated journey that did not end extremely well. It did not end bad, but it didn't. It, I, the company never uh, was profitable, so it had to stop. And then I was kind of tired of having a team, 
um, because I'm maybe I'm not a good leader. I was tired of talking with investors because maybe I'm not a good businessman. I was tired of all of the usual uh, constraints that you can imagine in a startup. And I felt and I wanted to do something extremely simple. And not this time, buying a few vintage watches for a couple of hundred euros was something that seemed possible for me. And what you, what I consider those vintage watches as a raw material. And then I was like, I'm sure there is something to do with that raw material. And you try to find a way to differentiate those vintage watches from the existing things that you see on the market. And I'm usually, I like to, to apply some uh, contrarian mindset to something that I see. And because at this, at this time you could hear over and over that the intrinsic value of a vintage watches comes comes from the the fact that they are not touched they are not there is no not a single piece that has been changed and so the value is there because the piece is, is intact so i wanted to do exactly the opposite so, oh guys you are looking for untouched vintage watches okay i'm going to show you something and the something is to go total in total opposite of that and to change what usually you cannot change, which are the ends. So it creates like a huge contrast, visual contrast. It's a little bit of um, disrespect from the initial designer of the watch. Um, I, I, I reckon that I'm doing something that maybe the, f- the first designer of the watch didn't, wouldn't really like. But that's my approach as well to be at some point a little bit disrespectful with what has been done. And then it's too easy to be disrespectful. So I want to be disrespectful, but then I want to say, you can go back to the initial state of the watch because I've, I'm just changing the hand and you can, you keep the hand when I, at this moment, when I was selling my vintage pieces, I was obviously delivering the original hand aside in the packaging. So I liked to be a little bit like, um, disrespectful and then showing a lot of respect to what has been done and to 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 show that what I'm doing is reversible. Right. Now that's interesting because I remember in in law school we learned about this concept uh, my pronunciations be terrible draw more draw morale or artistic rights as they called it. And in France uh in, in not many other places there's actually a legal right as an artist to, that that no one will uh, change your art in America. You don't really have this. Someone can buy your art and change it, but in France, there's a lot of very special rights associated with the original artist and what can and can't be done. Um, you know this. So this reversibility that you it's, built in is kind of the ultimate uh, safety for this, right? Yes, and it was the, it was the really a safety net for me and uh, to. Sh- I wanted to be a little bit shocking, but I didn't want to, you know, to play like the the guy that doesn't care. I I wanted to to I wanted to be respectful with my disrespect. So basically, and then <laughs> th- there there is another uh, point is that I was really looking for vintage pieces that weren't really charismatic. I, I was I was buying really low profile, understated, simple three ends, old Rolexes or old Omegas. And those pieces has been produced in thousands of thousands. You know, it was not like extremely rare, extremely exceptional pieces. So I was like, okay, I'm doing something that is not really common, but if we, we we cannot say that I've been uh, uh, sabotaging uh, uh, the Mona Lisa, you know what I mean? It was not like a, yeah. a one of one pieces, one of one piece that I I would I would destroy. It it was not the it was not the idea. Where did you learn to be a designer? Did you go to design school or were you self taught? 
I didn't. I went to a business school, and I've. I'm not a. De- I am actually. I. I'm not a designer. You know. I've got. I now I can say that after four or five years of uh, second second. Yes, I've got visions. I've. I see stuff in my head, but usually I, I am not super able to replicate on a piece of paper or to replicate on a, on a laptop what I've got in my mind. So I try to find ways. And that's why the first ends that you could see on vintage pieces I, I, I was working on was pixel pixelized design. Because pixelized design, it's easy to do. It's you, you just take a grid and then you try it. You, you, you get inspiration from uh, what you can find on the, on the internet and then you adapt and stuff like that. So it's, it was my way, my bypass, uh, to do something visually pleasing, but without being a great designer. And then when I did that, I, I had to shoot the, the pieces to post them on Instagram. And that's where I started to realize what I'm, what I'm going to do. And, uh, I, I only played with paper, with, uh, random stationary products, uh, with stuff really from a daily common life. And, um, because I did not really masterize the, the designer tools, I had to find background from my day to day life and, uh, it worked because it 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 stand out from the usual um, aesthetics of this industry. And you always had your your sort of emotional visionary guidance of contrast, right? Because there's always this interest contrast of this is luxury, this is not. This is old, this is new. This is clean, this is dirty. And where does this where does this come from in your life? The sort of uh, clear fascination with the value of contrast. I, th- I think maybe it's a, maybe we are going too far here, but I think it's an extension <laughs> of who I am. That's okay. Uh, no, maybe I'm, I'm going too far. What I mean is that maybe we are trying to make some connection be, uh, between the way I am in life and the way I visualize things and, uh, and I, and, uh, I design things, but probably it's because I'm, um, I'm a solitary guy. I'm, I'm a little bit, uh, I, I like to be in group and I like to, to, to be with people, but most of the time I preferred, I'm a little bit more introvert. And I think that being introvert is you are a little bit of an, an outsider. And when you, and you go and you see this industry of luxury that has some keywords of excellence, performance, um, and suggesting that those watches are for high achievers, maybe it, it, you know, the, the easy way for people that are outsider of that world to say that maybe watches can be as well for people that does not achieve that much. Maybe watches can be for people that do, doesn't necessarily, necessarily need, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, crazy expensive cars and, uh, uh, crazy, crazy life. So I, I went, the, the total opposite, but not, I'm not criticizing what the industry is doing. I totally agree that this industry has to express and to visualize things that, that are like, uh, I would say, um, that are empowering. So this industry, I understand the, the narrative this industry is going with, but I had to do the opposite because I could not do what everybody else was doing. So I, I went the total opposite way because it was my only way. It, 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 there were no politics in my, it's, um, I don't have really, uh, I didn't have, a, a, an opinion. It was just my way. And my way was the opposite way. I love how honest you are as well. If you go to the second second website, the first thing you see is the statement. You call it the disclaimer. And it says, I vandalize other people's products because I failed at building mine. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure not everyone recognizes how literal of a statement uh, you know, this, this is. Maybe you can explain in more detail what you mean by these two statements, that you vandalize other people's products because you failed at building yours. Mm. I like this sentence because uh, there is two points here. The first point is it's the really obvious point is that um, the first part of my career, 
I tried something and I failed at this thing. And you, you have to recon, you have to say, yes, I failed. And I, I've always dreamt of, uh, dreamed of building my products and uh, I had ideas and stuff like that. And, and you want your ideas to become real. And I failed for the 10 or 15 first years of my career to do so. So I try to explain why I have this, I mean, maybe it's, uh, you know, it's you, in life, you try to find a, to find way. It's like the water. If the water goes into a wall, then the water tries to find another way to, to, to dodge the wall. So I think it explains second, second today, because I failed. Now I'm trying, I'm trying to apply my ideas to other products that are not mine. And in, I still want to make product by myself, but I'm not there yet. So I'm using other products to express stuff. And the second thing that I would say is that this sentence that you like on my uh, homepage, it's, I didn't, I didn't use it at the beginning because I, at the beginning, you try to pretend that you, you, you know, it's fake it until you make it. And <laughs> now, now that I'm, I've, I, I have some recognition of what I'm doing, it, it, it boosted my confidence back up. And I, I'm totally okay to admit that I failed, that it's, I, I want to admit as well that it's easy to play on other products than yours. It's a little bit, you know, it, it's way more complicated to build a product and to build the brand than just doing what I do, standing outside, looking at things and then try to be funny, try to be ironical. It's a little bit the comfortable situation. And I want to, to suggest that. So, uh, I don't want the guy being only ironical, satirical, and uh, be proud of him. I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to have this, this uh, ironical sense, but you, I want to respect as well people that are building their own products. So, so yes. No, absolutely. You obviously had to do some research for what I call the 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 mod watch community, or these are people that modify. Uh, mm. watches, which is sort of an interesting underground world, mm -hmm. which you're, you really represent. You know, you are part of the modifier. That's sort of what you do. Mm -hmm. And so before you started your brand, I'm sure you did a lot of research in this community. What, what did you learn about the interesting things that this community was doing? Maybe some of the opportunities, the missed opportunities they had that maybe you could take advantage of? What, what you know, talk a little yeah. bit about the sort of watch modification community as you see it. I was quite impressed by the can we say endiness? They are, those people are super, um, able to, to resourceful, resourceful <laughs> and yeah. they are, they are making, they are able to replicate dials and to mod dials and indexes case. And I'm super impressed because when you go in the industry, you can see that everything is complicated, actually. Making a hands is not that easy. Making a dial is not that easy. And the delays are, are crazy and stuff like that. So I was extremely impressed by those mod, uh, mods people. The resource, they could make things happen. And uh, I felt a little bit, um, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm not able to do that. I'm, I'm not going to have my workshop and I'm not going to be that guy that can make... Uh, um, uh, miracles, technically speaking. So I was more like my miracles, if, if I can say so, it would be on the creative aspect of things, not on the really technical aspect of things. And my key point was that I wanted to make modifications that were resonating with the watch itself. So I did not put a pixelite word on whatever vintage watches. I wanted to put a vintage uh, pixelite uh, sword on vintage Rolex to defend the crown. I wanted that every of my design could be explained or could have uh, some sort of uh, uh, relevant uh, link with the watch itself. When I decided to put a little cloud on the Air King, you can see the link. I don't want a cloud ends turning on uh, whatever Seamasters. There is no point. So I, I stick to this idea of each design of my ends has to 
resonates with the watch itself. And why I'm saying that is because on the in the mode scene, something the modifications are quite they are not they are a little bit generic. They could be the, those modifications could be applied on whatever watches, and that's something that I did not want to do. I wanted to make stuff really relevant with the said watch, the said vintage watch. So I could again show respect to the watch itself and uh, uh, and again try to surround my disrespect with some respect and context. I, I The way I think of it is narrative. There's There's a story to each of them. It's not just shock value. It's not just this looks nice here but there's a deeper narrative to it. Would you agree to that? I agree. And um, that's something I stick to because, for example, when I did this uh, pixelized uh, swords or when I did some uh, pixelized sneakers, uh, I, I could feel that the design by itself got tractions and I received uh, hundreds of requests like, can I have this end, but to be installed on uh, another watch? And I constantly rejected those requested because then you, this narrative is a uh, uh, fall apart. And I, right. I didn't want to go that road. Let's talk about Celsius for a minute. And then I want to talk about your creative process. Um, Celsius was another interesting contrast, and if I recall correctly, you were trying to take something which was the the humble mobile phone, and you wanted to make it uh, crazy luxurious. This was mm -hmm. really above and beyond even what I think Vertu was doing, which is mm -hmm. probably the most well-known of the luxury mm -hmm. mobile phone, uh, phone firms. I, I, I remember writing about some of your stuff and um, seeing some of it at, at Basel when you guys would show. Um, but talk a little bit about that. You were trying to put like a tourbillon in a mobile phone, right? I think we could sum up this. Yes, it, it was this idea. <laughs> the, the, that's crazy to me. Thinking about that uh, years later, it's crazy. I, I still want to own the thing. I don't want to say, oh, that was the old me thinking uh, weird, but I, 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 I still, I'm still connected with this, uh, with this project and I don't want to reject it, but that, that was crazy. But the, the, let's say that it started with a market analysis. We could see Virtue, who, uh, which was uh, Nokia subsidiary going in that direction. So saying maybe there is a market for luxury mobile phones and seeing a, a market leader like Nokia believing in this possibility of the emergence of a luxury mo mobile phone market, we were like, okay, maybe there is a market, but what can we do that, that is not just making mobile phone in gold or, or putting diamonds on a mobile phone. And then came this idea of a contrast again, of merging things. It was like merging electronic device with uh, high-end micromechanics. And uh, we came up with this clamshell mobile phone that each time you were opening and closing, you were rewinding um, um, a mechanical watch inside. And uh, this mechanical watch uh, happened to be a tourbillon uh, mechanical uh, watch. So it was the, the fusion of two worlds. Because of the size of this uh, electronic device, we could really expand and uh, enhance the beauty of the micromechanics. And you could see all the train gear from the tourbillon that was out-centered uh, to, uh, to, the, to the watch caliber. So it was like quite impressive. But then the, the, the market, had, it was are to explain to the market that you could pay this kind of money for a mobile that was just claiming to carry voice. It was not a smartphone. It was only a, a voice. It was a voice only mobile. And then it was complicated to explain the, the timeless aspect of the micro mechanics and the, some sort of uh, uh, short term aspect of the electronics uh, beneath the micro mechanics. So it was it it was complicated and maybe it was irrelevant, but uh, we had to we had to find out. No, I mean you're not the first person that thought it would be a really great idea, and it makes sense in theory. And I just want to t dwell on it for a minute because. I, I loved the high-end mobile phone. You know, there was the chairman, you remember, by Lucy Nardan and a few others. And I remember one time I was I was having a meal with the then CEO of Lucy Nardan. And I was like, 
Wouldn't it wouldn't have it made a little bit more sense just to make an iPhone case? And he's like, yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to ask you the yeah. same question. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Would it have made more sense to, to take that ingenuity and make a skin to go over someone else's technology? Sort of like what you're doing with Second Second. Kind of. I think the, at this moment, the, the skin approach was, uh, it was not uh, noble enough, I guess. It was, uh, it was a, you know, when you start to propose something as an add-on, it then the the power of your claim uh, vanish a little bit, I guess. And uh, I don't know that. The, and then when you're proposing a skin, usually it's for protecting. And then it, you you're suggesting that you are not the main the main character. You are uh, uh, more on the out. You are the outsider. And then we we were not in this mindset at the moment. We wanted to really to 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 create a brand that was merging two worlds that was not supposed to merge. And the, the real the real product at the end, the real dream was to have a really simple phone um, that would execute the ringtone mechanically. And that that started nice. to make sense because <laughs> you you at, at the beginning we were already arguing about uh, the watch world to try to to stay on that lane and to benefit from the prestige of the watch world, but I think the the final product and our, our vision was really to to be an electronic device but with uh, with a mechanical execution of a true m- mobile function which is the ringing. So I I. We we really believed in that in that vision, but uh, we didn't have time and uh, and uh, to to apply it and uh, and that's it. It was not meant to be. So let me get this straight. From what you're saying, the next thing you're going to do is a merger of one of these like minute repeater sonary table clocks and a Bluetooth speaker, so that you could have your your phone hooked up to this thing via Bluetooth, and then as a, it would ring, but it would create. A mechanical ring is that is that what you're getting to? Because I feel like that's that's the next step. But that would have that could have been, and uh, now it's um, what seems odd to me right now. It's that when you're talking about micro mechanics and uh, this kind of beauty that you can see in the, the the watch world, is that it's really simple to operate, and you 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 just have a a piece that you quite understand. Maybe you don't know every detail of the mechanism uh, embedded, but you understand visually through the gears, through everything. And then if you start to add a booklet or to have a user guide to uh, install Bluetooth, appear uh, Wi-Fi, and then you're killing the... Vi- so uh, for me, those two words are hard to con- to merge now. So I, I don't I don't know if... I, I don't know. I don't know. I feel if it feels like a, a wedding, <laughs> a wedding that is not meant to last. Well, I, I think it's interesting because you know your first venture was very, very complicated, right? Like yes. you admit yourself, it was very yeah. ambitious. Yeah. Just to make the thing work was, you know, an engineering and and I'm sure a construction nightmare. nightmare. And then you make a total 180. I mean, in every way, if you compare what you did with Celsius, two seconds, second, you. It's like the same person, but a completely different side of life. Rather than go from something simple and make it luxury, you're taking something luxury and making it simple. Definitely. Rather than making something very serious, you're making something very playful. Rather than crazy complexity, you're like, what's what's one of the simplest things I can do to add value? Exactly. Maybe I'm lacking ambition. Maybe it's uh, it's at some point the recognition that, okay, I'm not done. I'm not made to do great projects that can have a global impact. And it's like looking yourself in the mirror and saying, okay, maybe you're good to make simple things, but by doing those simple things, uh, maybe you will have more constraints because you don't have a factory, because you don't have this, you don't have an engineering team. Yeah. But then it's all about you. And it's like, it's something that I love in, uh, in my life today is like, is, you are in front of a piece of paper and you need to find one idea. And this idea has to be extremely simple to execute because you are not going to receive the help of 10 people. It has to be one simple 
uh, uh, smart, relevant, or cool, or good-looking ideas. And that, that's really refocus the work on your mind and on the creativity. And uh, but at the end of the day, I'm not building a, a, a company. It's, it's like me with me uh, trying to find a, a, a simple idea. But uh, I like that uh, as well. So maybe I lack of ambitions, but it's, it's, I like to put myself in the situation where I really have to find this little, sweet, simple to execute idea. What I hear, and I mean this in a positive way, Romerick, is an uncompromising individual who recognizes that, okay, Romerick's going to be uncompromising. Would you rather be uncompromising in something crazy complicated where it's so hard to not compromise or do something so simple that you actually have the power by yourself mm -hmm. to, to not compromise? You can with your own ingenuity and skill, say, I can create something that to me is not a compromise. Because it sounds like that's what you were looking for. You wanted to have a, a product that reflected a no compromise attitude mm -hmm. and, and you sort of found it and you had to be simple to do it as a single individual. Mm -hmm. um, again, you're totally right. And it's, uh, you know, it's a movement. I go from one end to some days I'm like, okay, I would, I would love to make something that I would sign 100%. So basically to start a, a company that would make products that I could sign 100%. Uh, and then I know that I would have to make compromise, like you said, and you don't do big and great things without compromise. So at some point is that do, do, do I want second, second to stay, uh, the, the, the creative guy that is proposing ideas and make small drops every now and then, or do I want to become, do I want to become something bigger? And do I want my brand or my alias, my nickname to become bigger? And I, I don't have the answer. And, um, but this idea of, uh, accepting compromise, accepting working in a team, I am not, I mean, I'm not, I have to admit, I'm not good working in a team and, uh, um, and that's a problem and that's a, ch that's a superpower at the same time. So again, it's, uh, I will not have a diff uh, clear conclusion on that. I'm happy to be who I am, but I have to reckon that the way I am makes things complicated when it comes to be in a team and to build something bigger. Hi, this is Ariel Adams, founder of A Blog to Watch with a message about eBay. I visit eBay daily and have been relying on eBay to learn about and acquire watches for more than 20 years. Did you know that you can now buy watches directly from brands or their authorized dealers on eBay? Timepieces coveted by watch enthusiasts from brands like Zodiac, Loco, Parallel, and more are part of eBay's Certified by Brand program. Here's how it works. Luxury names are partnering with eBay to bring brand new and pre-owned watches and other luxury accessories directly to you. Certified by Brand includes a minimum one-year factory warranty for watches and offers an unprecedented selection of new and used watches directly from the source, all with the peace of mind you can expect from eBay. Visit ebay.com slash certified by brand for more information. Look, it's okay, and it's a good thing to know what your strengths are. I, I have pluses and minuses when it comes to teamwork, but I can also say that while teams are important for so many tasks, when it mm -hmm. comes to creativity, you really can only have one person saying mm -hmm. the directions, like driving a car. You can't go straight and reverse and left and right. Mm -hmm. Those might all be great directions, but you can only go one direction at a time. Mm -hmm. And when you have to share this type of responsibility, it can be become very difficult to get to where you're going though. But if you're just a solo person driving and you get to make all the decisions, you know that you'll get there. It, might take, it may take time, but if you're just one navigator and you know where you're going, nothing's going to get you off course. Exactly. Totally agree on that. And um, that creativity, it's, uh, it's something uh, quite interesting when you work days uh, over and over on it, is that um, when you try to mitigate it, to maybe listen the market or you, you're starting building barriers in your minds. And that's super complicated because you have to be careful with your ideas because all ideas are not good. And, uh, some ideas, a lot of ideas will fail. 
But then you, you, you have to stay extremely, not courageous. It's not courage, but you have to stay a little bit foolish in, uh, in uh, your creativity. And you don't want, for example, if you start to find some sort of success, you may be uh, uh, eager to stick to this line, but you have, you, you, you don't, I don't want to draw lines. I, I, that's why in, in a recent interview, I said that, for instance, I think that if within two or three years, I don't find other industry to work with, I guess I will lack of oxygen. So if I'm only the guy making collabs with uh, watch brands, at, at the end of the day, I will, I will suffocate. So uh, I, I, I will need to try to apply my way of thinking to other industry, to other products. And uh, again, creativity is su a superpower, but sometimes tiring. And sometimes you start to, to build walls that are locking your creativity in a, in a small parcel. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I hear you. And I want to talk about the creative process now because I think that's something that you make look easy. It's not easy. I imagine that you probably uh, antagonize, you know, or I'm sorry, agonize sometimes over uh, what to do with the design. So, First, my first question is, does it begin with the idea of a hand or a special dial or does it begin with a watch and then you have to imagine what to do to it? Well, how do you start? At the real beginning, my trick was only to play with hands. So, you know, the constraints were extremely clear. I could only change hands. So I had to find a way uh, to make that design relevant, coherent, beautiful, uh, fun, uh, whatsoever. Now that I'm able to work on dials, on keys, on bezels, on bracelets, the, the 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 starting point is not the same anymore. It's uh, it's more global, and mm -hmm. uh, and usually uh, there is no rule. I don't know. So basically, it's like. Uh, uh, I, I try to understand the brands, the value of the brands, the, the name of the program, but I don't know what's going to be the good door to open. So I'm trying a little bit of everything. And, uh, the, the, the problem is that when you, when you open one door for one project, the next project, you have to find a new, a new door to open. So every, that's the tricky part is that, Every project makes me a little bit more recognized in the industry, but every project is closing one door. So it's, uh, it's tricky, but I, I, I live for that. I mean, I'm, I'm waking up uh, at nights because I've got ideas. It's, uh, I'm, um, I'm sometimes, uh, yes, uh, my wife and kids could, could uh, testimon, uh, tes uh, testify on that. Sometimes I'm, li <laughs> I'm like totally closed for 20 minutes because uh, something is happening in my head and uh, it's on weekend and it's not, uh, you know, it's not a nine to five job. It's uh, creativity. It's all the time. So that's why I, I need to be careful with that because you, at some point you need to, you, you, I mean, you may fall into some sort of loop because I'm, it's for me, it's a challenge. If someone contacts me and say, do I, do you have an idea? I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going to have one. And uh, it's, it's an obsession. So I need to be careful with, with those, uh, creativity loop and creative uh, obsession to find the great idea. No, I mean, that's the right attitude to have, right? Because you want to find the right idea. You're, you're, you like finding the sort of cohesive ideas that work from multiple angles, you know, and, and I, I respect that because those are the types of ideas that, you know, the, uh, the, the snobs around the world really appreciate because you've sort of intellectualized the entire process. But to make the ideas cohesive, you have to think about ideas over and over again from various mm -hmm. angles. Would it make sense to this person? Would it look nice? Would it, could I tell the story? Would it, you know, would the hand even look nice? Like uh, so many different types of things mm -hmm. that you have to consider. Um, but you know, the 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 clients are all different, and I think that's what's interesting to me. You have a, a number of watches that are consistently your thing. But clients themselves are so different. And I'm actually going to divert for a moment to the business side of the conversation. How do you manage the business relationship? Do you just have like a standard contract or like, this is how I work, do it? Do you try to work with them to see how they want to do it? I I'm just curious because you've done 
a lot of, you know, what can be very complicated deals between profit sharing and nonsense like that very, very quickly. And, and what is your secret to efficiency there? It's all about the concept. So basically, when I'm in touch with a brand and they say, we should have a call, we should have a, you know, the I'm not criticizing here. I'm just telling it usually, and I totally understand that you are in contact with people and they say, let's have a, let's have a zoom. And we, we are sure we're gonna, we're gonna come up with a great things together. And I sometimes <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, we have no idea. We don't know yet. <laughs> we never, <laughs> I, I never know. And I, um, again, I'm not criticizing because it's good in life that you have people that are um, optimistic and the brands and the people working uh, at the brands, they need to be optimistic and say, we are sure we're going to make some great things together. And I'm the pessimist guy suggesting, we don't know. We don't know yet. We have to work first. So basically I'm instead of saying, yes, let's have a zoom. I'm more like, give me, give me, give me time. And I'm working on, on my hand and I love to enter a zoom with a concept. So we know what we're talking about. We know uh, the, the power, uh, we know the scale, we know the impact. We, we can say, oh, that's a really niche uh, approach or this one may have a bigger impact, blah, blah, blah. But talking without concept about royalties, about business, about uh, timing, about volume, it's impossible to, to, uh, for me. So that's my, my, my mantra is usually, let's give me some times. And if I've got a concept, I will come back to you. And, uh, and then when I've got a concept, everything is clearer because you start to, if you start to put the concept on the first criteria of your business regime, it's, it's the best way for me to stay relevant. I don't want a financial aspect of a conversation be the main driver. I'm not saying that I'm not looking to be profitable, but I don't want, I, I, if I start to do that, I will, I will lose, I will lose, um, I will lose traction. I will, uh, I will bore my audience. So the concept, the concept, the concept, and then everything will follow with a good concept. You can work with people that you don't, you, even if the fit with people is not great, that's okay because the concept make things easy. And if the, the profitability of the project is not great, that's okay because the concept is bringing something to me, to my little mosaic, to my little, uh, uh, let's say, maybe, yeah, you, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Yes, absolutely. And, and I definitely agree with you that you have to begin with something people get excited about. I have these same issues. Everyone wants to talk contracts and numbers and you're like, what are we even doing business about? We don't even, uh, mm. so you have to sort of temper the conversation and also help guide them. But, you know, have you gotten yourself into a crazy world of, you know, some brand is offering a flat fee, some brand wants to pay now, some brand wants to pay later, others are handling doing royalties and I have to look at statements. And I'm just wondering, because again, you're, you're very pragmatically minded, you know, as, as a small operation, how do you handle having to decide, which I'm, which I'm guessing is different types of deals um, all the time? I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing for me to think about. Um, I've... I've not really, for me, I, I went the, the easiest way possible. Maybe it's not the savvy, economical, uh, best way, but I went since the beginning on the royalties, which means that the brand knows that I'm going to be with them. I'm going to be extremely, and if, let's say, we've got a good concept, we know the brand knows that the concept is good. I am happy with the concept. Then I want them to feel that I'm not selling the idea and that then I leave and I'm uh, okay. Bye-bye. Uh, uh, I have another collab to do. So I want the brand that I want the brand to feel that I'm going to be with them for teasing and for talking about the concept for launch day. So I'm with them and I'm financially interested in the success of the, that, that launch. So the interests are extremely aligned and that's the best way to work because there is no, um, bad feelings. The brand is not saying, oh, you, 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 you got your money and now you are not working anymore. You are not pushing with us. So we align the interest. 
that's true that sometimes, and it, it, it happened for the first time a few weeks ago, a brand proposed me a, an upfront fee, something like a, a flat fee. I mean, so, but it was, uh, the, I said yes, because it was easier for them or so that's it. But my main way to work with brands, it's like I'm getting a royalties for each piece sold. And that's it. That's so, that's super simple. That's clear for everyone. And, um, and, and so we, we can work the concept and it's not like, okay, I promised you I would work 10 hours on the con. No, no, no. It's, we work until we are sure the concept is the best possible. And then you are sure I'm going to be there to uh, tease and launch the product. But the, the, after the launch, I'm not there anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I have to focus on the next things. That's basically the, the deal. Interesting. Uh, that that makes sense. And thank you for sharing that with me. I mean, there's no right or wrong way to do this. Essentially, mm-hmm. you make it up as you go along and you hope mm-hmm. you don't run into too many issues. I just thought that the speed at which you were doing them was interesting because I, you know, I, I've had, you know, between my various, of course, advertising relationships, consulting relationships, done a couple of products here and there. I've I've been approached with by brands with a bazillion different offers. Mm-hmm. And I know mm-hmm. that just for myself, they're so complicated and sometimes they truly don't know how to get done what they want to get done. They're like, they're like, pay, I'll pay you to help me do that thing that I don't know how to do. And and you're thinking, oh, this is gonna be two people that know what mm-hmm. they're doing. You know, the sum of the the sum of the parts is gonna be greater. And you're like, oh my God, they're literally like, I have to hold their hand and be like, hey, this is how you make a new watch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sure you have to do that sometimes, right? <laughs> sometimes it happens. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And it's it's like you become almost like an outsourced manager. Like they're not just paying you for for creativity, but without you the project wouldn't even be able to happen, right? It it really depends. Sometimes I have to be extremely proactive and uh, some sort of a leader with big quotes, but um and sometimes they are the the they are really hands on and I'm just like the uh, here to to help uh, on the side. So it re- uh, that's a Something that I did not expect is that every brand is working differently. And that's true that my posture, that my position during those, uh, those moments are not the same every time. So that's why I, I didn't want the financial aspect of things to, to make, to complicate the, the approach. And I went for the royalties on sales period and everybody is happy. Boom. So let's talk about how your business shifted. And it may shift in the future. You, you've made it clear that pivoting is an, an interesting concept for you. But from making these vintage watches with new hands, and of course you would supply the old hand with it, to working with other companies, and in many instances taking a, an existing version of their product and doing doing the the second second tweak, if you will. Mm-hmm, How did, mm-hmm. t- talk about this transition. Um, again, extremely empirical. Um, I started with the working on vintage uh, watches because we, we, we've been talking about it. It was my, uh, my approach to my easiest way to express my, uh, my creativity. And then I, there is two things that happen at the same time. I had difficulties with my watch and supplier because it was a little bit, um, annoyed by the fact that I was ordering two small batches. And at the same time, I received a lot of proposals from brands to do collabs. So I, I, I really shift for like one year. I stopped producing watch chains by myself for vintage pieces because of uh, uh, some sort of difficulty with a uh, supply chain manufacturer, blah, blah, blah. And on the other hand, I had opportunities to make collabs. So. I went full collapse the last months, but that's not something that is going to last forever. And, uh, I want to probably rebalance it uh, next year to still make collapse. But then I still want to propose ideas that would fit on vintage watches. So th- th- again, it's, it's really, it's timing. It's, uh, it's, uh, basic little problems that have impact on my approach, but, uh, then I'm going to recalibrate that next year. And 
sure, I would like to try to collapse with uh, brands outside of the watch world as well. And sure, I'm dreaming about uh, maybe building my own watch brand. It's only a dream right now and uh, maybe it will never happen, but that's something that I still, I'm still considering. So I don't know. I don't know where I will be in uh, two years. Uh, and that, I think it's cool. I think I'm extremely lucky right now to have many opportunities coming at me. Uh, I'm, I'm, I try to create those opportunities as well. But the fact that I'm, I don't know where I will be in two or three years. It's right now. It's cool. I, I like it. Sometimes it's, 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 um, scary because uh, you don't know your future, but right now I try to, 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 to see the, the great aspect of it. Well, the way I see it is that you have options and very few people have that number of options. They have a relatively limited set of things that are likely to happen for you. The, the, the unknown is really about having multiple options. And in mm -hmm. that sense, I'm sure you'll agree it's a very positive place to be. Mm -hmm. It's uh, Yes, again, um, I'm still extremely vigilant. I, I know that people may start to be bored by what I do in six months. So we, we, we all have to be vigilant. But uh, yes, we have to admit and to reckon when uh, there is opportunities that it's a good thing. Let's talk about the opposite of that, not people getting bored of what you're doing, but other people emulating it. The watch industry has a lot of flattery through copying. We know this happens all the time. And if you have a good idea, chances are someone else will say, I wonder if that idea will work for me. Have you started to see um, others in the, in the market uh, trying to do their own take on your aesthetic or Alternatively, are there actual fakes out there uh, that that people are passing off as yours? You know, what do you see in terms of the market and its emulation of your concept? Um, many things here. Um, creators sometimes are a little bit looking at the the scene with a with a weird lens. Creators sometimes are like, oh, I'm, I'm being copied. I'm, uh, people are trying to steal my vibe and stuff like that. I don't want to, to fall in that category because I am, I'm piggybacking on the power of Rolex. I'm piggybacking on the power of, uh, uh Cousteau when I'm playing with the red ad. I'm piggybacking on every, um, uh, cultural, uh, moment and stuff. So I am the one already not building things, but using them at my advantage. So I cannot be the one criticizing if I see people maybe being influenced by, by what I do. It's, it's, it's easy to say that now because I, I, like you said before, I have options. So I know that I can move fast and change lane and stuff like that. So I feel extremely okay when I see stuff that could have been inspired by what by what I do, and I think we I, I we have to think this way because we uh, and I am I mean I, I've been doing I've been doing that, so I cannot I cannot uh, say now to others uh, don't don't use my stuff, don't be inspired, don't I don't I don't I should not care, and I force myself not to care about that. So super happy if you think that people are being inspired, I'm glad. And uh, if they do, it's okay. And if they start to, to overlap my stuff, that's my ability because I'm alone, because I'm extremely agile, that I, I have to change lane and I have to f do something that uh, p other people have not done and stuff like that. I... I, I hear what you're saying, and I think that's a very healthy <laughs> and and very sort of nuanced take on it. But at the same time, you yourself are a relatively proud person with an artistic sense of culture and heritage. You would not want to copy something. You, in everything you've done, from what I see, make you kind of look around or like, is anyone else doing this? Okay, because you yourself wouldn't want to be in anyone who does copying. So you're right. There is sort of a practicality to the mentality of, am I being copied? But you, you strike me as someone that who just would, would if you started feeling like your work was derivative, I feel like you would stop. You know, you, you, we, I have an ego. So I'm proud of myself when I've got this idea, you know, you're like, okay, I found it. You're, you're proud of yourself. But then you, for, for instance, you said I'm not copying, but maybe I am. 
For instance, when I saw some uh, uh, um, old paintings from the uh, 16th centuries being repainted by people, you know, you you take a really old school paintings and uh, you change just one little things to add some uh, cultural modernity of it. Is maybe that's exactly what I'm doing on watches. I don't think I've got inspired by that, but when you see that, actually, it's the same. It's taking something old and try to add a, a modern element to it and to make it like uh, to create some sort of unbalance, visually unbalanced. But that's the 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 the, the moment. The, we, we like that right now. The culture is is like is liking to to bring two worlds uh, in the same place. But so we are we are all applying the same sort of. Uh, Attitudes at the same. You we, you could say that I'm uh, maybe I'm applying a street street art culture as well. The pixelization. I'm not the first to do that. Maybe I've been inspired by others. So um, we well absolutely. I mean, but but it's it's the novelty in the space you do it. You're right. No human is ultimately that creative. We simply borrow one concept from one area and we lend it over to another. We're like, oh, it works over here as well. Mm. But there is that leap in creativity of just doing that. Yes, but okay, thank you. Uh, but now I'm playing against myself here. Uh, Gérald Janta uh, designed uh, Funky Hands with Donald and Mickey. So I'm, 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 that's innovative? No, I'm not. He, he was doing that way before me. But, but he wasn't doing it on someone else's watch. You were making a commentary. You're sort of Andy Warholing it, which again, you're right, is, is is from a world of art, but you're clearly a lover of two worlds enough to know that I love this in art. I bet it would work in watches because I love watches enough to know that I would like it. Okay, thank you again. And uh, it's fun too, because you are playing uh, for me and I'm playing against myself and that's cool. And that's, uh, I like this kind of debate. And um, uh, so another point I would add is that that's one of the reasons I'm not shy of making a lot of collabs. Because when you've got something, you you need to, to ex- not expand, but you need your stuff to be seen. And maybe un- un- uh, subconsciously, I'm like, okay, I've got something and I need to work with many other brands to express this idea. So this idea is, will en- uh, becomes mine. It's, it's going to be my territory. It's going to be considered as my territory. And when other like you, Ariel, are, are considering that is second, second territory, I don't have to defend it myself. So maybe and subconsciously is it's like okay I'm uh, I'm okay with people uh, being inspired by what I do but that's my responsibility to really make my stuff visible working on many collabs so that I'm 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 protecting a little bit this area because I'm seen and I'm recognized I don't know if I'm clear but yeah yeah I I want to ask you do you think that wristwatches are appreciated for their artistic nature by the mainstream society as much as they should. Obviously, they're celebrated for luxury and they're celebrated for being cool gadgets and they're celebrated for all kinds of interesting things. But are they celebrated enough by the mainstream for their artistic value, in your opinion? Um, that's a really good question. I think that, I don't know, we, you know, we, we, have a little, we are biased, you and me, because we are in this industry, talking about this industry all the time and so on. I would say that some iconic watches are praised for their uh, artistic value. Uh, if you take some really g- huge icons, you yes, there is always people saying, ah, that, but that's a manufacturing process. Those have been created in thousands of units, so it cannot be art. But then when, you've, when you can see some design that went through time and remained so powerful uh, 60 years after the creation, uh, for me, it's, it's, it's art, but, uh, you're right. Maybe the mainstream is not seeing that as it, they are still considering it's uh, cool accessories, but that's the same discussion that you could have with the car industry is, is a great car, a piece of art or just a manufacturing, uh, output. Um, that's a good question. I don't know. I mean, for years, I would see people wear watches that don't work. 
And you think to yourself, the only reason you could be wearing it, because if it doesn't work, if you like the way it looks, if you like mm-hmm. the shape, if you yeah, like the profile. True. And I think that there's a lot of this going on. I think the profile is is nice. And I think that, in you know, we have these evolutions of products over time where it begins as something practical. But as its practicality fades, it becomes symbolic. Definitely. Yes. And then eventually it becomes exactly. a matter of culture. And, and watches... I mean, I just, I love talking about this, but I'm so surprised at today in 2023 and 2024, how popular watches still are. I mean, mm-hmm. we're rational people and I can't rationally explain it. Th- that's true. I mean, if you apply rationality to that industry, it, usually well, it should not uh, stick. And uh, yes, you, that's surprising. That's surprising to me too. This, the, the functionality of it is extremely limited. It has been, uh, it's in competition with a smartphone for telling time. So, but there is no rational here. But that's maybe the reason why it won't be disrupted. It's because it's irrational. So, so we're, we're almost out of time for this conversation and we'll definitely have to have more of them. I, I definitely think so. But let's, let's talk about where some of the, uh, the brands that you would love to do something with, but it's probably not going to happen. You know, like the Rolexes and Pateks of the world. Tell me the crazy ideas you have mm. for some of them that just aren't going to happen, but you'd love to do. Uh, the, that's a tricky question because sometimes I'm extremely, su- I'm surprised sometimes to some uh, some really good stuff come out of uh, not so um prestigious brands so you could you could expect from me telling you i would like to work on the extremely rare uh, i don't know uh, patek uh, from um, you know the pocket watch from marie antoinette and stuff like that so working on a historical piece but i i i don't think i need the the watch to be extremely prestigious to make the idea stand out so, so i i I quite don't know to answer your questions because <laughs> no, I, 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 that's you've true. Already, you've already given me the idea of the, the Marie Antoinette with a little yes, guillotine hand. I, 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 <laughs> yes, for, that would be a good one. That would be a good one. But sometimes I feel it's, um, I don't know. I don't know to answer that. Uh, there is many ideas that could, that could be extremely relevant and I don't have I don't have a, a, a dream, you know, the dream, the dream brand that would say yes, the dream product that could, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I cannot answer that. I mean, it, it's just, it's fun to speculate because yes, anything could happen, but there's sort of an, a knowledge or an agreed upon awareness that like a Rolex, even if half the people at Rolex love what you do, would never be like, come on, let's do a let's do a collaboration together because they're just not the types to do that. So that's why it's fun to joke about it because there's such a, um, I, I don't want to call it a pretension, but, but maybe by marketing necessity, they have to take themselves so seriously that they would never- I see what you mean. You know, be able to play with these types of whimsical ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And, uh, just to re- maybe I, maybe I found a way to answer your question is that, uh, changing the, the perspective and maybe the crazier thing would be to work on the ends on the, on the clock of the, how do you say La Mary, you know, the city house, something like that of my, uh, hometown, for example, you know what I mean? So instead of working on the, on a wrist scratch, maybe my craziest dream would be to be, uh, involved in some, uh, oh, like redesign a- on the, on the clock on the city house of my hometown in France, for instance, I would, oh, wow. I would, I would go this direction. So what, what would that, what would the hand be The the city clock from your hometown, what would you repurpose it as? Uh, I haven't think about it. So really like you got me off guard. I don't know. I have no idea. These, no, but these types of art installations, which is what they would be, that's a very interesting concept. Like it, that, that would be the funniest thing. These random small towns, especially, you know, in France and Switzerland that still have these city clocks, like that could be a tourist attraction. They could, you know, get you and be like, hey, sir, you're, you're a famous watch face designer. Uh, we've had the same hands for 400 years. That's, Maybe you could switch it up a little bit. 
I mean, that's, um, that's something I would just talking about it. I'm, I'm getting excited about this idea, but again, that's, uh, that will happen if I'm uh, getting uh, recognition, uh, within uh, five or 10 years, maybe they will call me one day. So it's up to me. I, I, I love it. It's, it's, it's so fun to be uh, creatively inspired. Um, Romerick, where can people, uh, learn more about you and the brand on the internet? It's on the second, second.com. That's, uh, I, that's my, uh, uh, website and I've got an Instagram page, second, second. And, um, I would say they won't learn that much because I'm, you know, this format that we just had talking about my stuff for one hour, I like it. And again, it was super cool to chat with you, but Thank I'm, you. but sometimes I like not to talk about, I, I, for, if you go on my web, um, my web page, you won't read the full bio of Romaric Andre, what he has done, what he's gonna do. Sometimes I'm like, we don't care. Let, we don't care about that. So let's not, let's not talk about it. And I like sometimes to participate to podcasts, to exchange and to not to be the mysterious guy, uh, ever, uh, over and over, but then they, they, they go to my webpage and they will feel, and they will uh, have some sort of grasp of what I'm doing, but they will not have the, the, the answers because uh, I don't have answers. It is a great website. I recommend you go there. Romerick, thank you so much. Thank you very much, Ariel. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Superlative Podcast. This show relies on support from you, the audience. Please subscribe, review, and share Superlative with your friends. To get the latest watch news and enthusiast commentary, also listen to the Blog to Watch weekly podcast. For show ideas, comments, or business, please contact us at podcasts at a blogtowatch.com.